This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Breaking NFL news. Lamar Jackson has gone to Twitter to let the world know that on March 2nd, he requested a trade from the Baltimore Ravens. He released that news just as Coach Harbaugh was about to speak to the media and as the owners' meeting began in Arizona. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance, and we're going to get the latest greatest right now from our greatest ESPN senior NFL insider, Adam Schefter, joining us. Uh, Adam, obviously, we were all sort of shocked here to find out the news. What's been the reaction in Arizona from Lamar going to Twitter to, to tell the world his intent? Well, hello, Jason. Hello, Harry. And I would say, honestly, it's... I don't think it's anything surprising. I mean, he had permission to go seek a trade, basically, by giving, by being given the non-exclusive franchise tag. So what this is, essentially, to me, is this is a public, personal statement to announce that he's interested in leaving the Ravens organization. Now, you could do that privately, as he had done for the last few weeks, having given that request to the organization March 2nd. But the truth of the matter is he's allowed to go out and find an offer sheet from somebody that is willing to make a trade. And so far to date, there hasn't been, to the best of my knowledge, a whole lot of action for Lamar services. Now, maybe this kickstarts the situation, which is I'm sure what he was hoping to do because it has been particularly slow. Uh, But you have to find a team that would be willing to pay Lamar Jackson what he believes is his market value, what his his worth is, and then compensate the Baltimore Ravens as well. And I know that the offer sheet would carry the two ones, but it doesn't have to be two ones. It could be something different. We saw last year Devontae Adams, uh, he was given the franchise tag, and the Packers were able to shop for a trade. And when they found somebody that they were happy with the compensation of the Raiders, then the Raiders were left to talk to Devontae Adams to try to work out a trade with him uh, or uh, a new contract with him. Once they had a new contract with him, then he went and signed the franchise tender and he was traded. Lamar Jackson can't be traded until he signs the franchise tender. He's not going to sign the franchise tender unless he knows there's somebody who's willing to pay him because if he signs it, then he has to start showing up to all team activities. So it's it's a, a delicate plan methodical dance here that certain steps have to be taken the fact that he announced that he asked for a trade doesn't mean a whole lot to me other than it's a public and personal uh statement that he'd like to move on from baltimore so adam i gotta ask you is it not about winning anymore because i thought that was the ultimate goal for a lot of these teams is to put themselves in the best positions to win football games If Lamar Jackson, a guy who was a unanimous MVP in which there have only been two in the National Football League, can help a team win, why aren't teams lining up? Forget the cost. I understand. I understand the cost. But we just seen the Cleveland Browns be so desperate and gave, you know, Deshaun Washington $250 million because they want to win. Like, you don't have any other teams that want to win that bad? Is winning not at the forefront anymore in the National Football League? Well, it it absolutely is, and there's no denying that you're talking about an MVP player, former MVP, who's an elite player. But 
you mentioned, Harry, the word cost. So the cost of Lamar Jackson is something that has deterred teams from signing him. Let's, again, you, you tell me the team that is willing to go out and spend, let's just call $200 million, $250 million on Lamar Jackson that has the need, that has the cap space, that has the compensation wherewithal to go compensate the Ravens, to do all those things. And, and it's really a situation where every team is weighing its own roster, the options, and deciding what to do. So, for instance, let's bring up the Washington Commanders. To me, that's a team that's always made a lot of sense for Lamar. And to me, that's somebody that they should have made a play on. The issue is, number one, they've got a rookie, a guy that's coming off rookie here that they like in Sam Howell, and they gave Jacoby Brissett $10 million. And the ownership, the the franchise may be for sale, so there may be a change of ownership. So we don't even know how that's going to play out, whether Dan Snyder wants to go pay that guy, whether that would be a good thing or a bad thing in terms of the sale of the franchise. I, I, honestly, it's a very complex process, so it, it's not very clear. Okay, so maybe Washington doesn't work then. Uh, maybe they don't have the cap space to get $50 million into Lamar. What about Indianapolis? Well, that would make a lot of sense, right? They only have Gardner Minshew. They play indoors. They've had quarterback problems. Lamar's better than anybody that they've had. Okay, but no, let me give you the flip side. The Indianapolis Colts, would you rather, you're Chris Ballard, the GM, would you rather go give Lamar, we'll call it a four-year $200 million contract, and by the way, it would probably be modest, but four years, $200 million, and would you rather pay the Ravens minimum two first-round draft picks, minimum, maybe more if they're negotiating it because you have a situation where uh, – Russell Wilson went for more than that. Deshaun Watson went for more than that. Uh, certainly Lamar Jackson is the player those guys are. And then some. Uh, you're the Colts. Are you willing to give up all that compensation, give Lamar $200 million, or sit at number four and take C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, the quarterback you like, and sign him to a four-year deal worth $33 total million? So that contract is roughly $170 million less than what you'd have to give Lamar. And it's one first-round draft pick as opposed to two and then some. What's better? So, Harry, you raised the word cost. That's what every team is deciding to do. We're not arguing about the greatness of Lamar Jackson and the elite player he is. We're arguing what is the cost of Lamar Jackson. Mm -hmm. What is the cost of him? And, yes, you can't deny how great he is. None of those things. But there hasn't been a team yet yet so far that has said he's worth the cost of all that it would have to be to bring him aboard. Now, we're going to see if today's statement changes things and changes the dynamic. But to date, so far nobody's decided the cost is worth it. Shefty, do we have any indication yet of what Lamar specifically wants in his contract? We've heard a lot of rumblings. Have we been able to get any sense directly from Lamar? Well, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not hard. I, I don't, I, you know, we don't need to hear from Lamar like you know, I spoke to his camp at one point, and, and he insisted it wasn't a fully guaranteed contract that he wants. He's told the Ravens that he wants a fully guaranteed contract. So does he want a fully guaranteed contract, or does he not? Well, he certainly wants something close to it, okay? Um, maybe he doesn't want it fully guaranteed. That's fine. We see the top quarterback salaries. I'm sure, you know, I don't know what his number is, but look, 
you know, Russell Wilson got a new deal. Deshaun Watson got a new deal. Aaron Rodgers got a new deal. Those deals are about $50 million. So I'm just going to tell you that's what he probably thinks he's worth in that range, $50 million. Now, is it fully guaranteed, not fully guaranteed? Well, it's close to being fully guaranteed, if not fully guaranteed. That's why I said four years, $200 million. Maybe five years, 250 Maybe three years, 150 Whatever, Whatever the number is that you want. You, you, that's the ballpark that we're talking about. That's the ballpark we're talking about. Shefty, always appreciate your time and your expertise. I know you're slammed. Thanks for joining us and giving us all the insight. You got it, guys. Have a great day. That's Adam Schefter, ESPN Senior NFL Insider. Championship teams about each player being a perfect fit. Same with their vehicles. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Here's the thing. I promise you we're going to keep you updated on every single... Like, if Lamar Jackson toots today, we're going to make sure that you get the insight on it, right? <laughs> like, like, It doesn't matter. Whatever happens from Lamar, we're going to make sure that you get caught up on it. But we were having a heated debate a moment ago about whether or not the call was the right call at the end of Creighton and San Diego State. It was heated. Harry says the ref needs to just hold the whistle, sit down, shut up color in his book, and let the guys play. Mm. I say a foul Foul is a foul no matter when it happens. I don't care if it's one second in or if it's with one Company second left man. as I get mocked <laughs> by Harry and Devin. I am the weenie in the corner saying, but yeah, guys, it's a foul. The question is, what side are you guys on? That's what we want. We want you guys to take over the show. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. You like the call, you don't like the call. Bring your energy, bring your heat, bring your takes. We're going to let you take over Fitz and Harry next on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM. Channel 80. Have you ever seen anyone more complete than Tarazi? One of the all-time greats in this league. Diana Tarazi's name is synonymous with basketball greatness at all levels. She began with three NCAA titles at UConn and turned that success into three WNBA championships and two finals MVPs. Tarazi for the record! Diana Tarazi pulling through in the clutch. No one in WNBA history has scored more than Tarazi. On the international stage, she led Team USA to five Olympic gold medals. Tarazi changed the game of women's basketball and in the process inspired the next generation to follow in her footsteps. Celebrating Women's History Month on ESPN Radio, brought to you by Union Pacific. Get your career on track with Union Pacific Railroad. Apply at up.jobs sports. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Cassell blew the whistle, and we may have free throws to send San Diego State to the Final Four. I feel like the opportunity was just set there for me. Uh, it was God's timing, and I'm just having that confidence that, yeah, I missed the first one, but I definitely wasn't going to miss the second one. It is over. The San Diego State Aztecs, for the first time in program history, will head to the Final Four. Sound courtesy of Westwood One NCAA Radio Network. How many times in middle school, high school, were you shooting around by yourself 
and you missed a shot and you scream, oh, he got fouled, and then you go to the line and you give yourself the chance to win the game. That's exactly what happened all the way down to the wire. Creighton SDSU created a massive debate. We got this group text going on. We're all getting along. It's kumbaya. We get everybody's good. Everybody's good. All I said was a foul is a foul, and, I, and it just created the immediate. No, that's not how you said it. I mean, a, foul. a foul is a foul. Now, Devin, how do I say it? <laughs> Devin want to chime in on this one? A foul is a foul. Okay. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> hey, look, I'm a purist. I, I, I think we're asking too much of officials if we're like, hey, uh, it's a foul here, but it's not a foul there. Now, Harry's point, good one, that there were uh, this, no team in the entire tournament had less, uh, no game, I should say, in the entire tournament had less fouls called than this one. So the refs were letting them play, but they didn't let them play on the last play. I still think that there's the opportunity here to say, well, what about the kid that got fouled? I mean, he made a great play. He deserved the opportunity to win the game. Uh, Harry says, get out there and stop acting. And by the way, the refs should just swallow the whistle. We're letting you take over. Well, can, uh, I, can I ask yeah. you a question really quick? Uh-huh. Like in street ball, do you call fouls in street ball? No, I actually, I'm the one that stands up and says, hey guys, I'm sorry, I fouled you in street ball. Like, uh, I could get thrown to the curb ball. and like, I could get thrown to the curb and have my teeth knocked out and I wouldn't say anything. But if I fouled Harry, I'd be like, that's on me. That's my bad. I fouled you. I'm, I'm, see, I'm ever the, can, I'm, I'm honest, honest fits, like honest day. But can, honest. can we stop with the, oh, would you call that in street ball? Who cares? There was a spot in the final four on the line and Darian Trammell made a move to get by the defender, Ryan Uh-oh. Emmer. And was fouled on an open look to send his team to Fitz. the Final Four. Guess what, That's Fitz? not street ball. That's not you playing at the rec center at here at ESPN. At this moment, we are ben going to the callers, Evan. The we are four. going to the callers right, right now. I'm calling. I want to hear from okay. the callers. Let, I, look, I can see some of the callers here, and I'm going to go out of order. I know you guys are hanging on. I really appreciate oh, it. Geez. But i got to go to Chuck in Kentucky first because he's an official. According to this, Chuck Bias. in Kentucky is an official. Chuck, what did you think of the call being made in the moment? Well, my basketball officiating career ended in Special Olympics when I got told I sucked. But <laughs> I have been an official for 36 years. I've called NCAA softball. I've been the state finals in softball. And I'm going to tell you, as an official, we're trained. If you see it, you call it. It doesn't matter. I don't care if it's the seventh inning or the first. It's the same call all the way through. So if there was a foul, we saw it, we reacted. And then you look up at the clock and you go, well, crap. Well, Chuck, all I have to say is where were the officials' bifocals when it was happening the rest of the game? All of a sudden, they just seen it on the last drive of the game. They didn't see it the rest of the 39 minutes. Where were their antennas when all this was going on? I think it's one of those things, you, you like you said earlier, you set a precedent beginning of the game, and at the end of the game, you just reacted. You saw it, you called it, and... There it was. Yeah, thanks for the call, Chuck. I don't I don't know why anybody would choose to be an official. We better have a better plan for 10 years from now when everybody says, nah, that's not for me. Like, uh, there's, there's no doubt. Let's go to Mark in Ohio next. Mark, what are your thoughts on the call, brother? How you doing, guys? Great, First man. of all, I am a current official, oh! and I just want to say, Harry, I love you to death. I've loved you since you was at Louisville. Uh-oh. But a foul is a foul, and here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. It doesn't matter that they did not call it all game. Just because you did something wrong and then you corrected yourself, that's what you're supposed to do. 
Sorry, buddy. And I was rooting for Creighton because I had family that go there. But a file is a file. Oh, Mark. Mark in Ohio, man. If Damn you, it, Mark. I, if you all could see me right now, if you're in the in the app, I have been shimmying. We got to get to more callers. Oh, we need oh. more people. Ooh. Right now, it's biased. You oh. went to two officials first. I we need know. more people. Look, we need more people. Look, uh, I also uh, you know, I got a text from a buddy that uh, works at ESPN. He said, foul's a foul. I mean, I'm just so far over. A foul's right. is a foul. Andy in Missouri. Let's go to Andy in Missouri. Please keep the streak going, Andy. What do you think of the call? Okay, well, uh, I think that regardless of the fact if it was a bad call or a good call is not what we need to be focusing on. We need to focus on if if we're going to be mad at the officials, then we need to be mad at them for – doing what they did for the entire game. Like in the Super Bowl, for instance, Juju Smith-Schuster got held on a third down that stopped the drive, and nobody talked about that one. Nobody wanted to talk about that foul, but when he got – but the same thing happened, and they called it, and since it was at the end of the game, everybody freaked out. I think that if if we start doing this to where the refs just keep the laundry in their pocket, then players are going to intentionally foul – late in games because they're going to know they're going to catch on that that the refs aren't going to call it. Okay, it's time to go to Kenneth and Richmond. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We're not 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 Kenneth yet. Not Kenneth yet. Apparently on line 6 we have a special caller on line 6. Oh line 6. Gosh, take it. Who do you, stop? Who do you, who's on line 6? I can't tell. Is this Evan producer on line 6? Well, Harry told me I had to call in. We were going to the callers. I wanted to get on. I had to call in. Harry, you're so wrong. Like, you're so wrong. The guy made a great move to get past the defender and was fouled. I just want to call and say Harry was wrong, and the only way I can get on air, apparently, is if I call in. So, Harry, you're wrong. If this doesn't this make classy. the best of at the end of the week, I don't like This is This is wonderful. That, that might wonderful. be one of my favorite moments we've ever had yeah, on cool. the show. Get some more calls in. Uh, Kenneth in Richmond. Kenneth, uh, what do you got, man? Thanks for calling the show. Oh yeah, how how you guys doing? We're great, doing man. Good, doing good. Okay, my, in my opinion, it really pisses me off. Like, if you're gonna call the game loose, call the game loose. You know, call it tight, call it tight. As a player, as a coach, you can make that adjustment. But when you you know picking and choosing, I'm like 15 years from now, just make it AI. I'm like, damn, you know, keep it consistent, and you know, let the let the players play at the end of it, and then let the ball or whoever you know they win. See, I knew Kenneth. I mean, no, 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 no. You, you just wait, okay. Fitz. Okay. You, you had your luxury. Okay. Mm-hmm. At a baby, Kenneth. I'm right here in the DMV <laughs> area as well. If you need me to drive to Richmond, Virginia, to see you, my man, I'll come see you. Cause I just love what you said right there. I love what you said. All I'm saying is let the players play. They did. One of them made a great play, and as a result, got good position, and as a result, had a good shot. Why don't we ever reward guys that do good things? Offensive? Come on, zebra. Oh, come on, Dennis and Austin. What do you got? on the foul call, Dennis. What do you think? Hey, guys. Uh, a long-time listener for you. You guys have been on. You do a great job. Great energy. Love the show. Thanks, uh, I'm an official for football. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, official for football in Texas. I totally get, you know, where people say, oh, well, they're not calling it this time. They're not calling it that time, but it gets called here. Look, I, I tell everybody when I officiate, I don't have a dog in this race. I'm going to call what I see. Now, am I always perfect? Absolutely not. I may miss something in the third quarter that I get in the fourth. I try to be as consistent as possible, but things move really fast. I watched that game yesterday. That was a clear foul. You can't put your hand on the body. Anytime I tell my girls I coach select basketball yesterday, it was one-sided in our game's refereeing, and I try not to get in with, with the officials, but guess what? They make mistakes sometimes, and, you know, you can see when it's 
Nope, we lost uh, Dennis. Well, uh, okay, let, the, let, me, let, me, let me say this real quick, mm-hmm. uh, really quick. So I took an L today, mm-hmm. and, you know, Dick LeBeau used to say this to us a lot. Even though he didn't coach me, I wasn't on defense, but he was one of the defensive coaches, and I used to love being around him. Well, you know, Harry, sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes the bear gets you. It sounds like from our callers and from you, Fitz, and from Evan, the bear has gotten me today. And I have no problem saying that the bear has gotten me today. I, I love that. I, this is one of the million things I respect about you. I'll tell you this. The only thing that, sweet, that tastes sweeter than this delicious protein shake that I'm uh, I'm drinking right now <laughs> is the sweet, sweet taste of victory. Because I'm telling you. Uh, Devin, are you willing to also, uh, are you willing to uh, maybe? Nah, screw okay. that. We're, okay. we're right. We're right. Okay. That's, <laughs> we can only do so much here. All right. We'll get back, obviously to your calls more your thoughts on the big call or non-call uh, the call at the end and should it have been a non-call but in the meantime the breaking news out of the NFL is that Lamar Jackson made it clear on Twitter with specifics that he has requested a trade from the Ravens the question is does it change any team's quarterback plans this offseason Fitz and Harry the podcast Lamar Jackson tweeted that he requested a trade from the Ravens on March 2nd in a series of tweets. This is huge because Lamar Jackson now has publicly stated that he doesn't want to be a Baltimore Raven anymore. And this is him publicly sharing his unhappiness. Now Lamar Jackson is saying, I don't want another team to get matched by the Ravens in that contract offer. I'd rather go play for another team for the same amount of money or less than stay in Baltimore. We have spent months waiting to hear specifics from Lamar Jackson. And without an agent representing him, oftentimes people have been speaking based on what they think Lamar is interested in. Today, Lamar went to Twitter to correct that narrative and make sure that he speaks for himself. The question now is now what? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. Just ask them to play ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. And again, the news, the breaking news today, is that on Twitter, Lamar Jackson went out to let the world know that on March 2nd, specifically, he requested a trade from the Baltimore Ravens. Now, he broke that news just as Coach Harbaugh was about to speak to the media at the NFL owners meeting happening in Arizona. And that also brings up a real conversation about what is happening in Arizona with this news. So, Harry and I grow the wolf back by one. Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter, joining us. Jeff, appreciate your insight on this. Uh, we were a little bit surprised uh, to hear that something had been actually requested on March 2nd, and nobody found out about it today. What was your reaction? Well, I, I think it's um, important to realize that this is one of those examples where when Lamar doesn't have a rep, uh, you know, it's, it's, he's, he's going to be more inclined to decide when to release that information and, and not do it for sources. But, I mean, it was fascinating, guys. <laughs> so I, to explain the way this all works is every year at these league meetings, all the coaches are here, and each day, today, for instance, it was the AFC coaches, tomorrow it's the NFC, they come into this big ballroom, and there's these big circle round tables, and they sit down at the table, each coach at a different table. And it's this noisy big room and wherever like the main story is. So this year, Robert Sala and Harbaugh, their tables are always the most crowded. So Harbaugh sits down and there's like 24 reporters around him, a bunch of cameras awaiting what he's going to say. He literally sits down and like three seconds later, 
Lamar Jackson tweets that he's asked for a trade. So call it a coincidence if you want, but I mean, it was unbelievable timing, obviously made it incredibly awkward. Um, Harbaugh, he did as good as he could do. I mean, he just took the high road and said, I haven't seen the tweet. Obviously, he hadn't. It happened while he was sitting there and basically just said, we still want Lamar to be a part of the organization. Uh, and for a half an hour, he had to sit there, walks out of the room at the end of it, and then is able to finally check his phone and look at this tweet. So my point in all of that is, why would Lamar do that? Um, I don't know that there's necessarily a good reason from a strategic standpoint other than to make the organization feel wildly uncomfortable. So to me, what this means today, when you make a three-week-old trade request public at the second that Harbaugh is sitting down, is that Lamar Jackson is no longer interested in playing nice. Lamar Jackson wants out of Baltimore, and he is going to take tactics like this to make sure that it happens. So, Jeff, does this now open up the door? Not saying that the door was closed on a lot of other teams or everyone else in the National Football League, but Lamar Jackson coming out and making this stance that he wants to be <laughs> traded and letting everyone know, does this you know, push teams to want to pursue Lamar Jackson uh, more so than they probably would have beforehand? So I don't, that's where, I don't really think so, honestly. I mean, look, the, the non-exclusive tag makes it, I, I know this is like the, the tags get complicated and people get bored by it, but the one important thing that you have to understand is that Lamar Jackson, because the Ravens chose the non-exclusive tag over the exclusive, was already on the market. Any of the 31 teams could offer two first-round picks and a contract um, offer sheet, and if the Ravens didn't match, then Lamar Jackson would go to that team. So essentially, he's already on the block. He's already on the trade block. What this does to me is says, it says that Lamar Jackson is saying, I don't want you, the Ravens, to match if another team decides that we're willing to give up the two second-round picks and we're going to say this is what we would pay for them. Lamar Jackson is basically saying, I don't want the Ravens to match. I want out, which actually says that he is willing to take the same or less money than the Ravens were originally offering. So to me, I, I, everybody's making this about money right now. To me, this is Lamar Jackson saying, no, this is about principle. The Ravens had their chance. They didn't give me the contract that I wanted, and now I'm going to go somewhere else, and I'm going to devote myself to making that team a success. Does that mean that other teams now step forward? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of thinking that maybe after the draft that could happen, if like Indianapolis, for instance, doesn't get the quarterback that they were eyeing. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I don't know that this necessarily moves the, the story forward except to say Lamar Jackson is publicly making clear he no longer wants to be with the Ravens. Can't I, though, uh, taking the other side of that for a second, Jeff, I've heard so many yeah. people say, well, you know, realistically, I don't want to do Baltimore's work for him. I don't want to sit down and negotiate a contract right. when they're just going to offer so or, or match it. So Lamar match. coming out and publicly saying, I have no interest in playing for the Ravens, has to be at least a, a little bit of an up yours to there and also a a vote of confidence to another team to start that process, right? No, yes, but you, you're, I mean, we're on the same same side. Like, my point is all those teams already know that Lamar is willing to leave. I mean, I, it is very clear to all those teams already that if they want Lamar, he's ready to come. Um, but the point is, like you said, I've talked to a bunch of GMs who are like, well, yeah, but why would we put up a contract offer when the Ravens can just match it? 
And this is Lamar saying, no, no, don't worry about that part. I'll still come. I'll find a way out. And that's why this is so fascinating to me, because it's not Lamar saying, you're not giving me the guaranteed contract that I want, so I'm going to go find it elsewhere. He's essentially saying, I'd, I, I will go somewhere else and take less money. I'd rather do that than sit here and go through this song and dance for another month when you guys have already made clear over the past two years that you're not going to meet my number. So, Jeff, you said song and dance. So the perfect song that I can think of that Lamar Jackson is probably thinking of, saying to the Baltimore Ravens, Ludicrous, move, get, get out the way. way, get out the, the way, way, man, get out the way. <laughs> hey, Jeff, uh, real quick before we let you go, uh, where do you think he, he's playing? Uh, first week, for week one of next season, where is Lamar Jackson? I, look, I, I, I'm not trying to sidestep that one, but I, I, I don't think anybody can say, like, this is such a weird situation. Let me just be very clear. This is not normal because Lamar does not currently have leverage on his side. Like, it has been clear already teams are not willing to give up two first-round picks and a big contract. So unless a team like Indianapolis or some sleeper like New England comes forward, I don't know how he's not playing for the Ravens. Maybe he'll figure it out, but to me, this is so complicated and there's so much more to play out before we can say with any certainty where he's going to be. Jeff, you heard me last week on Get Up. No deal. Lamar, don't you go on that field. Mm. No pay, no No play. That's right. (laughs) Not for, hey, and definitely not for $32 million. Hail to the no. No shot. Now, uh, I'll do it. Yeah, you give me $32 million, I'll do – I'll literally walk out in the middle of traffic and just hope for the best. I mean, you give me $32 million, my answer is to yes. Whatever it is, yes, the answer is. Uh, Jeff Darlington, no, hey, our answer is always – it's, it's always there's yes always to you, too. We got to play you out with this. Yep, they got it. They got it for you. You got it? I mean – Wow, Look at that. That's incredible producing. You know what? Devin and Evan doing God's work. Uh, Darlington, appreciate your time, man. Thanks for all the help. All right. It's Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter. One NFL coach is concerned about his quarterback style of play, and he may have sent a message to the rest of the league about Lamar. You'll, you'll hear about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. We need to get inside the game. I know this whole game inside and out. We ask Coach. Coach, hey Coach. On Fitz and Harry. Got to listen to Coach. By the way, you got to watch Coach tonight. Monday Night Football. I'm just saying it. I was going to say it over and over again. The XFL's on Monday night tonight. Big matchup between Houston and D.C. My guy, going to be the football analyst on the sidelines there. Hey, Douglas, you excited for a little Washington uh, Monday Night Football? Yes, I am. I can't wait for this game. Going to be the biggest in the XFL this season. So really looking forward to everyone tuning in and watching uh, the crew that I'm, that I'm with in the XFL game, D.C. Defenders versus the Houston Roughnecks. I'm in D.C. right now live from Audi Field, baby. Got to give me a feel on that game because all I've done is lose money this weekend. All right. Uh, Fitz and Harry, by the way, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. All right, HD. I always like to ask Coach when I get a breakdown from Coach. And Sean McDermott, coach of the Bills, acknowledged in a conversation with Judy Batista of the NFL Network that he's, quote, absolutely nervous about the fact that Josh Allen gets tackled on 66% of his runs down the field. This is the quote. I don't think that's a healthy way to play quarterback in this league, and it's undefeated that things are going to happen when you play that style 
brand of football. We have to get that adjusted, and it's never going to go completely away. But it has to get where it's workable. He's one of the best in the league, and I don't want to take his personality away from him, but there needs to be an adjustment in that style of play. Coach, what do you think when you hear Coach saying that about Josh uh, Allen specifically? Well, I think I think two things. Number one, um, when it comes to Ken Dorsey, I think he's you know trying to tell Ken Dorsey we need to run the football a little bit more, and that's the reason why you brought in you know a Damian Harris. You have James Cook, Naheem Hines. You traded for him a year ago. Lean on that run game more so early in the season. Now, when you get towards the end of the year and playoff uh, playoff time comes around, let Josh Allen be Josh Allen. But early on, I don't think he needs to take those necessary hits, unnecessary hits, I should say. But then also, I think he's also sending a message to Josh Allen, telling him when you do get downfield, there's no reason to be running over defenders. Slide. Take the Jalen Hurts approach. I think Jalen Hurts does a great job of when he's downfield and he has the yardage that he wants to get of sliding and getting down so you don't take those unnecessary hits. So I think he's sending a message to both Josh Allen and also his offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, to lean on the run game that much more in those running backs early in the season, even uh, past the midway point. And then later in the year when Josh Allen wants to do a lot of those things that he's accustomed to doing, then you lean on those as well, along with the running backs uh, in those regards. So I'm, that's what I think he's talking about. You know this better than anybody, but coaches come into certain seasons with talking points, right, for the yep. team or for individuals. This felt to me like he was delivering a talking point early on that's going to be emphasized all year. This is obviously something that's going to be like a, a mantra for the Bills this year. But I also look at it, and I'm not saying Sean McDermott was sending a message to the rest of the league. Don't, 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 don't necessarily have to go there with it. But I do wonder if other teams that are out there thinking about Lamar, and we get all the news today that he's told the Ravens he won out, are looking at Sean McDermott and saying, look, even the coach of Josh Allen is like, well, you can't run the ball that much as a quarterback. Can't be that physical. Like, I just wonder if it helps support the mindset, right or wrong, that some people have that your quarterback can't be at risk and still be okay. Well, I'll say this. Look at Jalen Hurts. He made the Super Bowl last year, right? Mm -hmm. We see Daniel Jones. He had a productive year last year. Uh, rushing the football alongside of Saquon Barkley. So there's a, there's two guys right there in the same division that made the playoffs last year that I don't think took uh, unnecessary hits at the quarterback position. When Jalen Hurts hurt his shoulder, it's just a routine getting tackled and landing on your shoulder. That can happen on any play. Uh, as far as Josh Allen, now I've seen him on numerous of occasions trying to run over defenders and – you know, I don't say necessarily show him that he's tough, but that's just his mindset. He would do any and everything for his football team to get a win. But I think you have to have those conversations with him and say, hey, you're too valuable to our team, right? He sustained some injuries this se- this past season. Uh, granted, probably came from the pocket, but you don't want him to be taking those unnecessary hits when he gets downfield. It's okay to step out of bounds. It's okay to slide. So you aren't putting yourself in harm's way. Well, and and there has to be Fitz and Harry, by the way, uh, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. There has to be some acknowledgement of what's happening right now in the draft, too. Otherwise, it's totally hypocritical. Like, if teams genuinely thought you can't win with an athlete, a quarterback, that might be asked to do more than just throw the football, Anthony Richardson and Will Levis would not be the prospects they are. Part of the reason that people think they're top four draft picks is because of what both of them can accomplish with their legs. Part of the reason that C.J. Stroud, in the minds of some, doesn't belong at the top of the draft board is because of what he didn't show anybody with his legs. So, like, one of the things that I have to – I think we have to admit 
here is how often people are like, well, you can't have a running quarterback. Really? Then why are we looking at two of the top four quarterbacks being drafted being exactly that as a huge part of their game? Like, if NFL teams were really afraid of that, Anthony Richardson and Will Levis would not be this highly regarded in the draft. No, I agree with you 100, 110%. Now, the day of the stagnant quarterback sitting back there in the pocket and being a statue, I think that day is over with. You need a guy, and even if he's not rushing the football consistently like we've seen Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones do, you need a guy who, who who's able to create, who's able to innovate when things break down, and not just sit back there and get tackled and be sacked. So you do need that type of quarterback in today's football. Yeah, I think sometimes quarterback play at this point, like the, the line between being a great passer and a great athlete is a little bit like uh, you know a perfect steak you know no matter which way you like your steak you know that there's this this spot for you where it's absolutely perfect if it's a little too done then you're out. If it's a little underdone, then you're out. If, if a quarterback is too immobile, you're out. If a quarterback's too mobile, you're out. Like, there's this weird Goldilocks in the middle where it's like, this is just the right temperature that, that, that we have to see. So I think it's about the balance and the blend for all of them, which is, you know, part of what Josh Allen had to work on when he got but, into but the But I will say this, though. Also, from Sean McDermott's uh, point of view, I will say this to him. You're the head coach. If things aren't going the way you, you want them to go, then you need to emphasize it more as being the head coach of the team. A thousand percent true, and it has to become part of the philosophy of the way you do business every single day. In the meantime, business every day in the NFL only gets weirder, especially with Lamar Jackson. He's made a trade crest request. What's it mean for the Ravens? We'll tell you next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 